Hiya, it's Carol here from Kicking Habits, a weekly show sharing stories, skills and techniques to help you take back control of the habit or addiction in your life. I'm going to be bringing you some fantastic guests to talk about their stories on how they conquered their habits along with some professionals in the field who will bring their knowledge and expertise to the show. Maybe you found yourself here because you're sick and tired of the rinse and repeat cycle of your habit or addiction. Then tune in and take away some nuggets to get you started on your journey to freedom. Enjoy the show. Hello there, it's Carol from Kicking Habits and I am absolutely thrilled to pieces to have my dear friend Cass from Melbourne in Aussieland. She is very kindly um, agreed to be a guest and Cass has got a fabulous story um, for all you ladies out there that have, you know, worrying about breast cancer and drinking. Um, Cass has got a fantastic story, to, a personal story to tell. So Cass, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to um, to chat with me. It's great to see you. Oh, thank you, Carol. It's such a delight to be here. I jumped at the opportunity when you asked me to come on. Uh, I know we connected through our uh, coaching uh, certification training that we did with this Naked Mind and we've stayed in touch. So I really am delighted to be here and looking forward to yeah, sharing my story and um, yeah, hopefully bringing some awareness to the links between uh, alcohol consumption and breast cancer. Yeah, and that's great. And that's something I really wanted to bring for the listeners, really, because it's really, really important. Um, and as you say, with this naked mind and, and giving up drinking has just been, you know, a fantastic choice that we've both made. And I just wanted to really ask you, um, I mean, what was your defining moment, if you had one, where you thought, right, I just need to stop drinking this, I've just had enough? Was there anything in particular that started you on your journey? Yeah, look, I think there were many defining moments along the way. I think my problematic relationship with alcohol was a slow creep rather than an absolute rock bottom. But there were two defining moments in the lead up to me deciding to have an extended break from drinking, which I am still currently on. I guess one of them was I was away on a family holiday and, you know, I was very much a binge drinker. When I'd go away on holidays, I'd drink a lot. It was my way to relax. And I was out with another family for dinner and drank, uh, you know, quite a few cocktails very quickly. And my three boys saw me very drunk and I hit my head and it was really embarrassing and shameful but I didn't remember really any of it and the next morning you know I did quite a lot of soul searching and and thought to myself you know I don't want to be that type of role model for my kids I really need to do something about this this drinking problem that I know has been a problem uh, and I guess the other the other moment had happened probably maybe a year or two beforehand uh, when I'd got really drunk at my brother's wedding. I was part of the bridal party and I just behaved in a really 
um, embarrassing way. You know, I was very rude to my mum and I had a go at her in front of, um, you know, some of her friends. And again, I woke up the next morning and wasn't sure whether it had happened or not. Uh, I'd also fallen and hurt my hurt my arm and, you know, little things like that. So those two instances really sort of quite close together just started to really get me thinking that I hadn't actually grown out of my drinking problem. It was, you know, in many ways, even though I probably wasn't drinking as much, I was still having these big blowouts where I would black out, I wouldn't remember, and then I'd behave in a way that I would really regret. Uh, And so after that holiday with my family, uh, I didn't have another binge. I didn't stop drinking straight away, but I guess it was probably three months later um, in the July, I decided that the 1st of July I was going to join um, the July, the live July alcohol experiment with this naked mind. And I was going to have an extended break from drinking and it started from there. Mm. So you mentioned binge drinking. Um, I've not had um, a guest on yet around binge drinking. So just um, what what did binge drinking look like for you, Kath, and what were your extended breaks in between times? I mean, how was that and how long did that go on for? Yeah, I know. This is a great, I mean, this is a really great opportunity, I think, because a lot of people think a drinking problem is, you know, someone who's drinking every day or drinking a lot every day. I wasn't that type of drinker. I was very much an episodic or event or weekend binge drinker. So I would spend at least four nights of of a week not drinking at all. And then I might have two, three or four where I would excessively drink where I wouldn't have an off switch where I'd probably drink six eight ten twelve drinks um and then black out not remember um again I didn't get the most terrible of hangovers either I'd push through the next day because I'd try to look like I was functioning and really I, I still was functioning I didn't miss out on work because of drinking in fact, I didn't really bring my binge drinking into my work life either. So I had this very controlled element of my personality, but then I had this other element, which was the drinking, the binge drinking, which was almost my permission to lose control and um, really let off steam. Mm. So what, and I mean, what it a tr- sorry, from... That's okay. I was about to say it started from, you know, I started this binge drinking pattern as as a, as a teenager, 14, mm. 15 in Australia. It was very much encouraged, celebrated. Um, this is what you did as a rite of passage. And I'm guessing you probably can relate to it because in, you know, the UK, this whole idea of, you know, binge drinking on weekends and getting drunk, like really drunk, was something that was part of our culture. And so for me, I got a lot of positive uh, affirmation around that type of drinking as I was growing up, as I was forming my identity. I was a, a woman who could drink a lot and keep up with the boys. So I was told, that, you know, that was great. I had nicknames like the fish and the camel uh, because I could drink a lot. And so, you know, when I looked back, 
there was actually a lot of positive reinforcement that I got around my big drinking. And so, of course, I, I hung on to it because I thought it was pretty good. But look, it was always causing me issues, I guess, mm. from about the age of 16. There were still elements of it that I didn't like, particularly the blacking out and not remembering things. And, you know, I started wetting the bed sometimes when I would just pass out. And I would also end up getting quite angry and having arguments with people as well and then not remember what had happened. Mm, I can relate to that. It's like a badge of honour, isn't it, that you carry around because, um, you know, you you can sink the drinks just as, as much as, like, the guys do. And uh, I remember... Um, I had a friend who was quite small and used to try and keep up with me and she'd be absolutely off her face and I'd be absolutely fine because my tolerance had built so much. But I remember also a client saying to me, but Carol, it's my identity. What, you know, what happens if, if, I'm, if I'm not drinking? Who am I? And some people really do hold on to that identity, don't they, when they're drinking? So, I mean, was it? Was it for like a weekend, every weekend for you? Was it sort of the trigger of the weekend? I mean, what triggered you into the binges? And did the did they become shorter? Was it every weekend? I mean, how, how did it look? No, it wasn't every weekend at all. Uh, it, I mean, look, I probably in my 20s and 30s, yes, more likely. But mm. once I had children and I was working, no, it wasn't every weekend. Um, and in fact, when I when I eventually stopped drinking, I had a lot of people say to me, "You really aren't that bad, or you weren't that bad a drinker." Um, mm. You know, you obviously still had or whatever, but it was kind of very normalised in our culture here. But not for me; it didn't align to the person I wanted to be. And you know, at the age of forty six, to think that I was still you know, drinking more than I wanted to, blacking out when I was drinking, um, not remembering things that I was saying uh, and making decisions that were not, you know, in my best interests or my family's, that for me is dysfunctional and a problem and I didn't want to think that, you know what, I have to hit a rock bottom to actually mm. do something about it. And, you know, this is why I'm really passionate about talking about all types of problematic drinking, we all have a different relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And you know, this is this is what mine was. And it was it was a really big problem for me. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned kids. I mean, one of the reasons why I started drinking was because my son had a diagnosis of autism and that sort of kicked me off. And obviously that was one of the defining moments for you when you said you were out with the kids and you got really drunk and fell and banged your head. I mean, what did it? Did you see any effect it had on the kids? I mean, what ages were they? Was and, and did they see any more of of drunk mum? I mean, how how did it affect the kids? Yeah, look, it really affected them, and I guess uh, it was. I'm just trying to think how old they were. I think my oldest son was probably around. 13 and mm -hmm. so the other my middle child was then probably around 11 and then youngest eight so they were they saw it mm. they were scared they didn't know what I mean they knew I was drunk and 
it was they they all said to me the next day how worried they were when I hit my head they thought I died because I was mm. that really heavy drunk you know when you fall back and you're kind of like yeah. ah, whatever um and so for me that was really confronting you know I hear I was with my kids like all three of them the next day saying how worried they were and that they, you know, they didn't know why I got myself into that state. Mm. And, yes, look, the, my kids have seen me affected by alcohol many, many times, not to that degree. But, yes, I mean, even the other day one of my boys said to me, oh, mum, you know, I remember that look that you would get in your eye once you started drinking. It was sort of like a bit of a vacant kind of not present look and you know I remember that as well I remember what that would feel like and so yeah absolutely my kids saw would have seen me and they would have smelt alcohol as well you know when we get home from you know many and various sort of social occasions that that um we would be at um and I look I remember one New Year's Eve I was walking back from a friend's party with you know, two of my kids and one of their friends and I was really drunk and I remember I couldn't actually, I didn't really know if I was going the right way and, um, look, it was lucky that I found my way in the end but I was way too drunk to be in charge of, you know, looking after children in a, because we're away um, on holidays in a different state and so I didn't even know the area very well and that, again, for me was another time where I just thought, you know, you're drinking this is not responsible behaviour. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it does affect our kids, doesn't it? But we've got to do it for us at the end of the day, haven't we? We all, we really do have to make that decision for us. And um, I mean, you, you said the 1st of July, go, going back to you decided after those sort of two events that at the wedding and then with your kids that you were going to um, stop. So um, just take the listeners through your story really Kath and obviously we're here to talk about breast cancer too so you decided to to stop on the 1st of July so how did that sort of look for you and and the path that you took? Yeah so basically you know I remember having my last drink on the 30th of June very clearly Uh, I was watching a game you know a game of Aussie rules football I was watching my team play I drank quite a lot of red wine that night and I remember going to bed uh thinking to myself I'm so glad that tomorrow is uh the day that I'm going to start uh doing the live alcohol experiment with Annie Grace and that I'm taking an extended break from drinking without having a go back to date there. So this is Ooh. the difference. In the past, I would take months off drinking. You know, I would do dry January and dry July and Feb fast and often have, you know, four or six weeks away from drinking. But I would always go back with the intention. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd do the month with the intention of going back to drinking. And this time I thought I'm going to embrace it and see what I can learn through Annie's alcohol experiment and doing some more reading and educating myself and also just thinking, you know what, this could actually be a really positive experience because 
I just don't like the way alcohol still has a hold on my life and mm. I guess it's causing me me problems. And so, yeah, on the 1st of January, that, you know, that was it. And I felt, I felt really good about it. And, um, you know, I guess as with all, you know, stories, I didn't know what was ahead of me. And, of course, I, six weeks later, um, I, you know, it was an ordinary morning. I was getting ready for work and I found a large lump in my right breast and you know within a week I'd had a diagnosis of an aggressive type of breast cancer I had started chemotherapy and I was in you know one of the biggest challenges of my life and it was highly traumatic and I guess all of a sudden that was very triggering for me what normally mm. happens when you have challenges trauma in your life normally you would handle it by drinking and so mm. Of course, that thought came into my mind about drinking. But, you know, honestly, it wasn't a huge trigger. Um, I think intuitively I felt very strongly that at least during my treatment and whilst I was going through treatment and getting better that I wouldn't drink. Uh, But I also had this other little thought that came up, which was, I wonder if you're drinking or I wonder if your relationship with alcohol could have had an impact on this breast cancer diagnosis. So I was curious about it because I thought this is a lifestyle factor that I have not been managing well, I've been worried about and, you know, alcohol I knew was a toxin and in some other cancers I knew there were links so I started to do my own research into the links between alcohol consumption and breast cancer risk and wow I was blown away by what I started to uncover and that very quickly put me on the path of well you know I felt sort of empowered I thought well if there's one thing I do have control over which is alcohol if I continue to leave that out of my life that can only be a good thing. Mm, yeah. I mean, was there any um, history in the family at all, Kath, of breast cancer or not? None. No, there wasn't. There was no no family history. Um, the type of breast cancer that I had is a type called triple positive, and so it was very driven. The growth was very driven by estrogen and uh, progesterone, and alcohol increases our circulating estrogen in our bloodstream and can you know obviously the estrogen growth in my cancer was very high um the levels so for me I sort of thought look I'll I'll never know for sure if Mm. drinking had anything to do with it but uh I I think from what I read and what I felt it it felt empowering for me to think, you know what, I think it probably has had something to do with it and now I can make a different choice moving forward. I can bring awareness to this issue because this was Mm. the other thing I was really fascinated during the process that no one really asked me much about my drinking history. I wasn't given any real information about maybe you should stop drinking um, or 
any specific statistics around the links between alcohol consumption and breast cancer. It was very much glossed over. And I started to wonder why we hadn't, we didn't have any, you know, really public health campaigns around the issue given, you know, breast cancer in Australia, you know, there are 20,000 cases or more a year. It's a large number. And, Mm. um, when I found out that, you know, even mild to moderate drinking um, increases your risk by up to 20%, your overall risk, I was even more shocked. I thought it's not just, you know, it's not just excessive drinking. It's actually, you know, every drink you have really probably increases your overall risk. So every drink you choose not to have or if you're if you're minimizing your drinking then that will be having an impact as well so i decided for me that it was going to be an area that i was going to learn more about and that i was going to start to do some advocacy work as well you know through talking on podcasts and and media uh and um so that's again an area that i've been working you know really hard on so that more um, women, you know, and men and their families know about this this link and can make more educated decisions around mm. their use of alcohol. Yeah, and and that's why we talk uh, what we what we're talking about today is education, really, and it is all about educating people. I, I was pretty shocked on um, it was Breast Cancer Awareness um, Week. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was probably towards the end of last year. And our local news um, had got a, a big 15 minute, I mean, 15 minutes in a half an hour program for the local news is a big chunk of their time. And they they were going around a gallery, a gallery had been put up um, and it was all about breast cancer awareness. And they've got artists there and they were chatting to people uh, who'd been breast cancer survivors. And, you know, not once in that program was alcohol actually spoken about and they had the big wig guy from the local university on the medical side and he didn't even mention it I was absolutely appalled I really was and if I'd have written his name down and made a note of it I think I would have written to them because I was just absolutely appalled to think because you said moderate drinking I mean even moderate drinking we we I don't know about in Australia, but in the UK, we used to have the little tiny one, two, five measures. So 125 Mm. mils were the really tiny little glasses that you used to get in the pub in the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, moderate drinking, they say 14 units. Well, that is, you know, 14, one, two, five units. People think a unit is like a glass of wine. Well, when we pour a glass of wine or when I was drinking, certainly, it was a 250. It was a big glass of wine which is two units. So if you have two of those, I think above three units a day is classed as heavy drinking, isn't it? So if you're pouring yourself two glasses of wine and not measuring it properly, then you are taking on all that toxin and increasing your risk. I mean, do you want to share a little bit about what you found out during your research and, and statistics? Are you happy to share what you found, Kath? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, you know, I'll just caveat it by saying that obviously all, you know, the statistics and figures that I'm bringing up are are based on, you know, research that, that I've read and the statistics and figures 
differ depending on you know mm. different research that's done. Yeah. But a lot of the figures that I um, quote are I've taken from an excellent uh, resource called Drink Less for Your Breasts, which is mm-hmm. uh, a really wonderful website that uh, comes from um, America. Uh, it's based on you know evidence-based research and science and studies that have been undertaken over many years. And look, the majority of these studies, there's been, you know, well over 100 studies in the last sort of 30 or 40 years. And, you know, they all prove a direct link between alcohol consumption and increased breast cancer risk. And I guess when I speak about, you know, moderate drinking, light to moderate drinking, that is exactly what I mean. It is one drink a day. You know, one drink a day can increase your overall breast cancer risk by up to between, you know, basically 10 and 20%. Mm. Uh, and that's, that, that's a lot. Those are, the, you know, are nothing to shy away from. And, you know, the, the other interesting thing is that, you know, in in Australia there was some research undertaken and only one in five women are aware of the link between breast cancer wow. and alcohol. It's, That's amazing. Mm, From that it, shocking. it really is. Yeah, exactly. And so I think this is the problem as well. There's a real awareness problem uh, around around it and I think the other issue is that women think that well if there is a link that it would it would only be you know really excessive drinking that may cause it when really we're starting to see that no it's it's not excessive drinking and um, you know particularly as we go into you know and I've obviously this is you know the phase of life that you know I'm in you know perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, uh, the effect that alcohol can have, you know, on our our our, our symptoms of, as we go into perimenopause mm. is also, you know, quite quite significant. And given that breast cancer risk increases at this time of our lives when we're in our um, you know, forties and fifties, it's also something to be really you know, aware of, um, knowing that a obviously it's it can increase your risk of breast cancer, but also b that it it can be you know a difficult uh, season in life to navigate with, you know, with hot flushes, mm-hmm. um, with moods, with not sleeping so well, and that if we're drinking, we can exacerbate all all of those symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember having hot flushes after I'd had my glass of red wine um, or white wine in the evenings. I'd, I'd sit watching TV and I'd have to, I used to have a fan, at the, a wooden fan at the side of me and I'd get my fan out and I could feel it coming on as soon as I took a sip. But I never actually made the connection, interestingly, until I'd stopped drinking and was doing some research in my coach training and thought, wow. And the foggy head, you know, the following day, I mean, it's bad enough when you're menopausal age and you just walk into a room and you can't remember what you've gone for. And then your drinking on top of that is going to, you know, 
influence your sort of foggy head and you don't get any any clarity at all around menopause and just to add alcohol and and yeah as we know sleeping it has a massive effect on sleep I know people use it to get to sleep but it certainly doesn't keep you to sleep asleep and you don't get that quality do you with the REM cycles and things that it cuts back on it's um yeah, it has a massive effect, really massive effect. And I'm shocked to think that only one in five women are, are aware of, you know, what the connection between alcohol and breast cancer. That is just staggering, mm. absolutely staggering. Yeah, it, it really is. But, you know, it didn't surprise me because when I often bring it up in conversation with people, they don't. They realise that alcohol is linked to other forms of cancer, but they don't realise that there is a link between breast cancer. You know, they, they think more like liver or kidney or you know mm. throat or something, but for whatever reason, you know, breast isn't the one that um, that you know they really have much awareness about. Mm. And it makes sense with the estrogen side. And as I said, when you get in your forties and fifties, it does, um, you know, interfere with our hormone balance, doesn't it? A big time, uh, and also our immune system as well. I mean, it has a lot of um, the toxins in that have a lot of uh, yeah detrimental effect to our to our lives and our health so I mean how uh, did just mention that website again Kath just for people so they can make a note and maybe take a look that you use for your research yeah sure it's called drink less for your breasts drink less for your breasts right I'll take a look yeah, at that myself. and I've got an Instagram handle at drink less for your breasts uh and it's it's fantastic there's some really really um, great statistics there, all backed up by research. So you can look at all the research papers there if you want to. And it's very simple and easy to understand. Uh, and that's, you know, I've found that having it all there in the one, you know, kind of the one place has been really, mm. look, was really fantastic for me when I was when I was looking to find information because I really couldn't find a lot of it elsewhere. Hmm. So how long has it been since your treatment finished? I mean, how are things now? Yeah, look, I'm I'm fantastic. I finished um I finished treatment at the end of 2020, pretty much <laughs> November 2020, but I got the all clear in February 2020, but I still had to have more treatment for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's over three years now since I got the the all clear. Um, I'm feeling really well and healthy. I had a, you know, I just had a scan. I have an annual scan in February every year. I had that um, a couple of months ago and that was all clear and I'm feeling really, you know, healthy and well. Um, I don't, you know, I, I guess I don't have too much anxiety around recurrence um, I completely understand why people do, but uh, for me, it's very much been about living right now in the present. And if I'm healthy and well in the present, then that's really all I need to worry about. Um, and I, I feel like I've done a really good job of being able to 
to stay in the present. And I think that also came from, you know, having a cancer diagnosis at 46 when I just didn't even, you know, see it coming. I guess mm-hmm. it just made me feel very appreciative of, of life uh, and the fact that there are no guarantees and that, well, you know, you get to make the most of it. You know, we all have challenges in our lives and mm-hmm. um, for me now I live, I guess, more consciously um, and I'm more engaged. I'm very much, and when I say consciously, you know, I just choose the things that are really important to me and I prioritise, you know, my own health. Um, I prioritise my energy. And, you know, now that I'm working in in an area that I'm so passionately connected to with my alcohol coaching and my breast cancer advocacy, that, you know, that feel I feel like I'm really on purpose and uh, enjoying many, many aspects of my life that potentially I, I wasn't so much before. Mm. I mean, that's fantastic that you can turn such a massive life event around really and use it to help educate people. Um, um, what would you say to the ladies that are listening to this um, around their drinking and if this has really sparked something in them, I mean, what would you say to anyone listening? Yeah, I mean, look, I would just say that it's really important to be aware of the links between, you know, drinking alcohol and breast cancer and that any changes that you can make to your drinking, i.e. one less drink on a a Friday night or have another build an alcohol-free day into your week, if there's some more mindful, conscious decisions around drinking less during your week, that will reduce your breast cancer risk so I think this is the thing we all have a choice and we're all in control and I would recommend hop onto the drink less for your breast website have a have a read see what you can find out pass the information on to family and friends it's you know we're all here together supporting one another and it's not about you know, demonising people for drinking alcohol. I mean, Mm. you know, it's a free world. Uh, I'm not telling people they have to stop drinking, but what I'm saying is get educated around the health risks, particularly if you're a woman, and make sure you know so that when you are choosing to drink, you're not under a false set of, um, you're not, yeah, you're not under false impressions that uh, it's not going to increase your breast cancer risk because, of course, um, it absolutely will be. And, look, there are plenty of people who drink a lot and never get breast cancer. Yeah. And, you know, and there are plenty who don't drink hardly at all and they get breast cancer. But, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes in life we really don't know. But this is an area that I think it's really important for for women to be you know well educated on yeah yeah definitely I agree completely and especially important to check your breasts on a regular basis as well I mean that's something that I do and I go for my um in the UK I think it's every three years I go for a 
a scan where they squeeze your boob. It's not very nice, but um, absolutely necessary to to go through all these checks and just be aware. And amazing that you looked in the mirror and actually saw the lump. I mean, wow, you know, to to um, to be able to see that. And there's also lots of other changes, aren't there, like dimples and uh, discharge from nipples and all sorts of things, aren't there, that you, you, you can be um, mm. aware of? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't always just show up as a lump. And sometimes, you know, the lumps are so small that you actually can't feel them. You know, it can be even a rash on your breast or something that feels really warm or hot. It can be an inverted nipple. It can be many different sort of you know the as I said the lump isn't necessarily the only way and I think the most important thing is to be aware of your own body mm-hmm. um and so doing regular self-checks is important because some women have a lot more lumpy breasts than others or it shows up as being more lumpy at certain times of the month so it's just really important to start your breast checks early on in life so it's part of your routine so mm. if you have you know daughters nieces friends whatever it, it it's important that they start to bring this into their you know their bathroom routine or when they're getting dressed and it's not about necessarily doing it every day but you know at least a couple of times a month is really important because if you notice a change or something doesn't feel right you most likely know that there's something not right in your body. So make sure that you go to your, you know, your trusted health professional and just get it checked out. Mm, yeah, I agree. I mean, I found I found what I thought was a lump because I didn't realise that you actually need to check above your breast in that tissue area, so not actually on your boob. Because obviously, you know, I'm in my late 50s and my boobs are getting lower and lower and lower the older I get. So <laughs> my breast tissue is all over the place. So I uh, I, I tend to. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, check in the breast tissue above the breast and under your armpit when your armpit's really loose, isn't it? All that lymphatic area under there. It's uh, really important to to just check around and yeah I found something went to the doctors and she she was fine yeah she said don't worry about it and and it's gone but yeah Kathy you were were just going to say I mean people listening can't see us but we're sort of feeling the top of our chest here aren't we (laughs) yes you know near your collarbone even up there and then yes all down under your arms and up around here and it's sometimes it's quite good to just lie down on your bed and hold your Mm. you know hold your arm up pat down um and really I mean there's no there's no perfect way to do it but um what I have been encouraged to do by you know breast care nurses is really just to you know put your three fingers um together and just sort of press down and use the pads of your fingers um Mm. and just to move around in a circular motion and see you know what what you can feel um yeah. Mm, no, that's great advice. Thanks for that, Kath. Um, and just to wrap up, really, around your drinking, how long is it now since you've been stopped? So I'm coming up to, it'll be four years this July. So, uh, yeah, it feels like 
a lifetime ago, I have to say. Uh, I never really think about drinking anymore. I can't imagine bringing alcohol back into my life. There's no good reason to. Uh, the, The way that I live now, alcohol free, is, yeah, it's just a much better upgraded version of myself and I would never jeopardize that to go back to drinking um and you know I guess that's one of the things that I think is super important to mention is you know at the start of the process I didn't really know what to expect I guess I was more focusing on taking the negatives out of my life that drinking had had caused but what's opened up is the ripple effect of an alcohol-free life of so many positives that I didn't know existed and they continue to unfold and I continue to feel more, you know, more connected to the person that I really am and aligned to my values. You know, I feel more creative, more productive uh, and just more more connected generally. Uh, I think I'm much better at listening and I love going out socially you know I was always the social party girl who did lots of binge drinking and you know I went to a friend's 50th on Saturday night and you know what I was the one who was still on the dance floor with all the drunk people (laughs) at the end of the night having an absolute ball I drove home afterwards and felt amazing I didn't have a hangover the next day and I thought to myself, you know what, life doesn't get, it just doesn't get better than this. This is so good. Yeah. Do you know, I could relate to that. I was at a family wedding only um, less than a week ago and it was in a beautiful um, palm house, it was called, um, in Sefton Park in Liverpool. And it was like a massive big greenhouse, a bit like Kew Gardens, but like shrunk down. Um, and the the dancing started about seven o'clock and um we all got up jigging around but the lights on they put the, these beautiful purple and pink lights on and it was lighting up um all the palms and all the trees and the foliage that was there and just being present in that moment and just enjoying that beautiful atmosphere and seeing everybody enjoying themselves and yeah they've been drinking since one o'clock in the afternoon so there was a few people staggering around and and I did think about them the following morning (laughs) but it was so true I was up on that dance floor jigging away having a fantastic time really enjoying myself and then it was time to go home taxi about 10 o'clock and I could have stayed but we were with a group of people and off we went but just being present and just being in the moment and enjoying that is like just amazing rather than you know filling yourself with alcohol and then not really remembering much about the event and it's just so fantastic I just wish I could put a drinking person who's thinking about stopping or taking a break into my shoes just for two or three days and just go here you go have a look at that and it's like scales dropping from your eyes, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. I, mean, I say to anyone now, even if you don't think you've got a problem, just give it a go. Just see what it mm. feels like. 
experience life without alcohol for three months and mm. you know I don't reckon you'll go back <laughs> mm. no it's true and I think you need that extended break don't you it's fine giving up for a month I mean I did dry January sober October but I was like desperate for the first of the month to come so I didn't really learn anything from the experience and like you said you went into it with your eyes open thinking let's see what happens and just being curious and I think myself like I'm being a this naked mind coach like yourself and reading Annie's this naked mind book just opened my eyes really to um well, it was the word carcinogen that leapt out at me. And that's what really made me think about it being a class one carcinogen, which was, um, you know, uh, in the late 80s, I think, over in the States that was brought out. But, you know, we didn't we don't read that. We don't see it in the media because people don't want you to know. But it is a class one carcinogen and, and reading that. But having the experience of not drinking and saying, right, OK, let's let's take a break and seeing how you go. So like doing a month and then I did another month and then another month because I felt so well. But giving it three months gives you that extended period to completely rebalance, isn't it? It's all rebalancing all those chemicals and all the changes over years and years of drinking. It takes some time, doesn't it, to for our bodies to get used to and start producing its own chemicals because it's relied on the dopamine and everything, hasn't it, from alcohol to give us that buzz, that our natural producing uh, dopamine and other chemicals just stop being produced, like melatonin and, you know, serotonin, because it relies on alcohol. So for those listening, I would really encourage you to don't white-knuckle it, get yourself some literature, get yourself into some podcasts. I would recommend there's um sober diaries called uh, by Claire Pooley now she was diagnosed with breast cancer I don't know if you've read her book um Kath um yeah fantastic uh, a fantastic book to read so I would I would recommend community is a big thing isn't it I mean we've been involved in the coaching process and they're still involved in um Annie Grace's this naked mind space um but yeah, thank you, um, Kath. It's really lovely to have you as a guest. I'd, I'd love for people to connect with you. So if people have really, um, you know, connected with you on this podcast about breast cancer and got any questions, where where can they find you? Uh, they can find me uh, at the Alcohol Mindset Coach is my Instagram, or thealcoholmindsetcoach.com is my website. I've got. Um, I've got a, a section on my website all about alcohol and breast cancer. So um, you can get on there and have a look at some of the information that I've put together there. Yeah, so fantastic, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're I really appreciate no, it. Yeah, to share my That's fine. And you've, I'm, I'm guessing you've got links because I know you've done a lot of media work out and you've been in a lot of magazines and newspapers out in Australia. So are there are your links to all the things that you've done on your website too, Kath? Yes, they are. I've got a special section featured in podcasts and media interviews and they're all, mm. they're all there. So this one will go up there as well. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks, Kath. Well, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, yeah, 
wishing you all the best and obviously I'll be in touch soon but thank you yeah thanks Carol all the best bye so if you've enjoyed um listening to the podcast today um I would love to answer and of course Kath if you want to get in touch with Kath love to answer any questions that you've got around alcohol so please just submit them via my website if you've enjoyed this episode I would love it if you would leave a review that would be fantastic and you can find all the links in the show notes and remember if you want to control your drinking you need to control your thinking because nothing changes if nothing changes you have a great day now take care bye bye Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you've been left with a question from today's episode, then please drop me a line. I love to answer listeners' questions as it adds to the flavour of the show. And of course, it's completely anonymous. All links are in the show notes and I'm looking forward to sharing again next week and helping you to find your path to freedom. It really does take courage to take that first step. But remember... Nothing changes if nothing changes.